This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 272, The Veiled Masters. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Well, howdy and welcome, everyone. What's up? Uh, Hunter's got the week off because we read a book, and ding dang it, he wouldn't be caught dead reading no books. Uh, so guess what? It's Absol. Hello, howdy doody. How's everyone doing? We are doing so well. We're so thrilled to have you. Uh, where would we be if we didn't have you to lead us down the lore path of these books written by Tim Pratt? First things first, uh... Absol, you and I, uh, as as some listeners might know, have a, another side project we do outside of reading you know, these books together. It's been on pause for a bit. <laughs> yeah, it's been on pause for a while. I've been, I don't know if I've been busy or not, but I haven't been good about getting these things done. But A tournament happened or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, some weird thing where I got really busy you. with that. I don't know, but I haven't had that excuse for a couple months regardless. <laughs> uh, radio lore, Absol and I's project to record all of the faction sheets and stories and basically as much of the lore that makes sense to put into kind of a singular recording. We do intend to bring that back. We've got kind of a schedule lined up to be bringing that stuff back. Absol's recorded a number of them and sent me files and it's just me that has, I haven't edited them. So please know who has dropped the ball in this two person operation of radio lore. It is me. Uh, but I, you know, we wanted y'all to know that it's something we, we definitely want to get back on the bandwagon of and, uh, and start getting back out the door because I like making those a lot and a lot I just need to make those, time yeah. for them. Yeah, they're they're very fun. And it's just good to get that stuff back in my brain, the lore stuff. I've I've read through all the faction sheets in the past, but I don't retain those memories very well. But when I do them in a stupid voice, they stick with me better. <laughs> <laughs> and we just got we just got a new fiction. That's piece, right. Yeah. Uh, about a week ago, week, two weeks, something like that. Uh, they previewed a couple of pages from the Embers of the Imperium book yeah. on the Edge Studios website, which needs to freaking I come out. <laughs> I I feel like we're getting closer and closer. I mean, when we yeah. talked to Sam at uh, at Gen Con, he was hopeful that we'd see something before maybe the end of the year or very early 2023. Who knows if they're still on that track? But yeah, my my big fear is we you and I have to get on the radio lore thing because that book might come out and just be filled with way more lore stuff that we need to to get recorded. I don't know how much our workload is going to get Yeah, we'll have, increased. we'll have to see how much of it is recordable or, <laughs> right, or right. not. Yeah, yeah. Or, or we could just record us reading stats of uh, RPG <laughs> characters. That will be nice, delicious audio for the listeners. Um, but let's, let's get into The Veiled Masters. Let's do it. Uh, the Veiled Masters is, of course, the third and final book by Tim Pratt. And what a book, huh? I liked it. I I liked it too. So quick, I think quick ranking all three novels. What order do you put them in? Maybe in reverse publication order, <laughs> like number one, okay. then number two, Necropolis Empire, and then number three, The Fractured Void. Maybe I I might okay. almost need to reread them again. But I I was I, actually thinking of rereading them too. Yeah. Um. So my order would be number one is probably 
Necropolis Empire, mm. number 1.1 1. 1 <laughs> would be the Veiled Masters. And then number three would be the Fractured Void. <laughs> that was a nice good gap, a nice comfortable gap between one and the other two for you. Yeah, I think I think Necropolis Empire is 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 pretty well done. Um, we talked a lot about it. This one, my here's my vibe. Oh, uh, and for anyone listening to this, uh, Absol and I are going to talk for a bit, non spoilers. If you if you mm-hmm. intend to listen to the book, but you'd like a little bit of a primer, we're going to do that first. Then we'll cut away, and when we come back. We will be in spoiler territory, and we'll treat it sort of like a "we read the book so you don't have to" kind of episode, if if that's what you're after. So, um, in a non-spoiler sense, this book starts really strong. If anything, I read the very first chapter, which is the longest chapter in the whole book. It's incredibly long, actually, uh, for by this book's standards. Um, but I came away from that chapter being like, "Oh my goodness." Tim Pratt is firing on all cylinders. It's time to mm-hmm. go. Let's go. It starts with like a diplomat and like we're going to actually do some politicking. And I got very, very eager for that. And okay, okay, Matt, but we have to slow down a little bit. We got some very important pre errata here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, that we definitely have to hit first. Okay, let's hit okay, it. Okay, so this is from uh, HMK Rhythm. <laughs> Hi, HMK Rhythm. How are you? Uh, so HMK Rhythm says, I don't know what the next episode that'll require pre-errata is. I'm going to go ahead and be the first to give pre-errata for it and say, get blue tech. Yes. You know what, HMK Rhythm? You are absolutely right. When you read this book, you want to get your blue tech. You want to research all of it. It's really so that critical. You up but... your reading speed. you got to up that reading speed so you can finish the yeah. book before you start thinking about absolutely. it. Absolutely. Fleet Logistics, you read every page twice. And Lightwave, you're going to need it just to go ahead and get right through all of the subtext that the book tries to yeah, throw your that way. That way you can have all the fun before it all comes crashing down. <laughs> that is so funny. Uh, yeah, I, I, I am into uh, how this book starts. I am into a good chunk of the first half of this book. I think mm-hmm. towards mm-hmm. the end of the book is where things get muddy for me. And then especially the conclusion is not my favorite of the three, I would say. If anything, it's almost the inverse of The Fractured Void, where The Fractured Void was like, I started it and I wasn't liking it. I didn't like how the characters were written. But the very end was like, oh, there's like interesting nuggets of Twilight Imperium vibes going on in this. I really like how freaky and you know it gets we look into the great rift between and we see the cabal and you know it's like there's cool moments at the end of that and this was like the exact opposite for me like the end was just a bunch of stuff i didn't want to do in this book yeah yeah absolutely so outside of just sort of structurally what i liked about the book uh something to note for people that might be interested in checking out another of the uh Twilight Imperium books, this one is a return of a lot of our characters. So if you've been following along, obviously our first book just like introduced a bunch of characters. It's a wild ride. Woohoo! The second book only brings back really one of those characters. Uh, the barony uh, commander, captain, whatever. I don't know her type, what her position is. But uh, she is a captain, a captain. Of, the, of a cruiser. So uh, she comes back for the second book and we get some more of her. This one brings back Basically, all literally everybody who didn't die, right. every main character who didn't die in the first one. Yeah, this is effectively a sequel to the first book, where the second one is sort of just a little sojourn that uh, damp that it's that mentioned like once or gone. twice, right? Um, and and I, you'll this book loves to bring up the first book. So if anything, I would say even if you like start reading the Fractured Void and you don't really like it, 
part of me thinks that it's required reading before you get into the Veiled Masters. Now, they they reference enough stuff. I'm sure Tim Pratt wrote it with the intent that you wouldn't have to, but you're going to hear a lot of references and be like, like, that sounds like it was fun, I guess. I don't know what they're talking about, but it seems like they had a rip-roaring good time. Uh, <laughs> but you are going to be faced with that actually quite a lot, I would say. They, they bring up things from the first book pretty often, but generally... It's never, like, critically important, but, like, the main book dealt with this guy named Thales, and they mention Thales a number of times throughout the book. So if you don't want to feel kind of completely in the dark, you probably will have want to have read the first book before diving into this one. I would agree. My least favorite character from the first book did come back oh, in this yeah. one. <laughs> we, I think we talked about it a little bit in the Necropolis Empire book because you were so thrilled that she didn't come back yeah, in that yep. book. Uh, yeah, the, the more or less the antagonist of the first book is this um despicable one of the protagonists of this well one. yeah she's the protagonist of this one and she is a disp she doesn't do anything nearly as despicable in this no, book i was not do we want to just get into like introducing our like four main characters let's introduce the characters i mean they've been introduced before in the fractured void but we get to kind of reintroduce them here so yeah walk mm -hmm. us through who who our main characters are of this book okay so we start with the diplomat that matt mentioned yes is Tarek, and he is a Ambassador at large for the Emirates of Hakan, which basically means he's ambassador to anywhere they want to, they need to send him, mm -hmm. not to a specific other faction. Right. And so he's our main character, and he gets framed for murder, doesn't he? <laughs> Boy, howdy! Uh, just a, a a a poor bout of luck for him. Uh, yeah, he he is at a uh, this preparing for this conference, this meeting of the minds, and he gets framed for murdering <laughs> a close ex cha friend of his who. You almost think you're going to meet in in an earlier chapter, but he's sort of just in a day. There's something going on with the extra friend that is very <clears throat> non-normal. Uh, and so you're going to follow Tarek throughout this story and how they're going to escape this horrible murder. Uh, the person helping them along the way in their escape and one of our other uh, perspective characters is Amina Azad, the villain from the first book. Uh, she is... Throughout this whole book, introduced as she's doing this for some reason. She's got mysterious yeah. employers. I think they beat you over the head with it a little bit, too. Um, but it they just like to keep her a mystery. I feel like Tim <clears throat> Pratt wants this universe to be a thing where he writes, like, 30 books in it. And, and like, the idea is just, like, this is how it always is, isn't it? You know, kind of like a, like a TV sitcom or something like that. I think a lot of these characters feel like that. And Amina Azad is the best example of that, of just, like, she needs to be mysterious. She's the mysterious one. We better not explain pretty much anything about her because then that undercuts the whole thing we're trying to do with her. So, yeah, she spends yeah. the whole book just being mysterious and flippant. And she's, you know, she doesn't take anything seriously. Um, I think she's better written in this book, even as yeah, her jokey, uh, annoying not self. On me nearly as much yeah. in this one as she did in the first one. Right. Uh, and then our other main characters are kind of, as we said before, uh, Severin Dampierre, the captain of a, uh, a barony ship. She's returned for the third book in a row. So really, this is turning into her trilogy more than anything. And in the first book, we were the, we, we said of her that she was really the only one who actually had any sort of character arc in the first book, which is unfortunate because in the second book, it feels like she was set up in a lot of ways that undermined a lot of her character arc in the first book. And then this book feels like she has learned from the first book. It's, she's been on a weird journey. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think there are good elements of Severin in this book. There, there are things where, you know, she's a dutiful 
barony captain, but she's also a careerist. She has a strong desire to rise through the ranks. And I feel like in the second book, they just focused on the dutiful part. Whereas yeah. in the first book, what she learned is how to maybe not follow orders and how to fight for herself a little bit. And that's like what Amina Azad <clears throat> taught her. And in this book, it feels like she's carrying on that lesson. She's questioning mm -hmm. authority. Exactly. And it's very important throughout this book that she questions authority. It's a, like a critical component of her having any success is that she might question some of her barony authority. Yep. And then our last main character, once again, returning from Fractured Void, is Captain Felix Duval. Uh, he's from the Mentac Coalition. He's a human. He's got two other crew members on his ship. Uh, he's got his Hakan security officer, Calred, mm -hmm. and uh, Tib Pelta, and an Isarl, who is his first officer. Uh, yeah, and they're, they're all back and doing you, wacky pirate heists. Yeah, doing back, just, just doing what they do. There's really very little development uh, to them. I mean, and I say that even between books, like... We pick up and there's old Felix again. And again, that's that's what I'm saying is it, it feels like a sitcom character. It feels like a serialized TV show where it's just like, and here's Picard and the crew again or whatever. You know, it's it's just, and I, I say that knowing that Next Generation has a lot more character growth throughout the season <laughs> than this does. But I'm just saying it feels like an adventure of the week kind of crew where it would be dangerous if they let them grow too much. They just need to fit perfectly into these little archetypes or whatever. Um, so Felix and Severin are both essentially, uh, tasked by their powers that be to go find, uh, Tarek, uh, because Tarek has escaped with Amina Zod. Nobody knows yet that that's who Tarek has escaped with, but basically we're following Felix and Severin as they look for what's going on with this great mystery surrounding the murder and the conspiracy that hides underneath it. So technically, um, Felix and Severin are trying to find Tarek, and then Tarek and Azad are trying to figure out, yeah, what you know, what's going on and solve the mystery. And right. then later on, the two that are chasing catch up enough to be able to get wrapped in, like, oh, maybe we should be looking into this mystery too. Right. Yeah. But at the start, they're just they're they're uh, hires up. We're just told them, no, go get this guy, right. bring him back. Right. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, honestly, I think that's kind of part of what works for me in this book mm -hmm. is while the mysteries get to be mysteries, I think is when Tim Pratt is doing his best writing, um, slowly doling out mysteries. What it reveals to me is I, I think we have at times given, um, shown some annoyance or whatever with like, some of the ways Tim Pratt kind of fleshes out characters, right? We kind of keep talking about this is like things just happen. Either they don't change or other things that have happened in previous books is like when things do change with the plot, they turn on a dime just like just we just decide that it's this way now. And I think that's true um, in the later half of this book. But I do think that the first half is a lot of slowly turning over stones of the mystery. And actually and, and I think while Tim is doing that in this book, it works exceptionally well. I was like properly hooked for the first half of this book. And then there basically comes a point where you're just sort of like, are we still just 
turning over the same stones over and over. Like there just comes a point where we're not actually uncovering anything new about We've the mystery. We've enough stones. We can. We have a pretty good a yeah. ability to guess what's under this last stone. Right. <laughs> Why do we need to spend so much effort turning over this last exactly. stone? Exactly. Yeah, we spent a lot of time <laughs> on the last stone. And then after we turn over the last stone, they're like, oh, and also there's like a hundred more pages of the book of other now stuff we're going to do. Now we all need to go do. on our individual adventures to, to solve the final problem. Right. There's a final boss of this book, basically. There's a weird non-mechanical, like if this were a video game, you're playing the game for a long time, and then suddenly there's a boss rush at the end that is completely new mechanics where you're like, this isn't what I was doing at all. None of this is the same. Suddenly it turned into an action novel, I guess. I don't know. And we do that for a while. And it's fine we'll talk about some really messed up stuff that happens at the end of that uh absol's got a whole you know she's gonna burn gonna down the house yeah. you're gonna you're gonna hear about it <laughs> but uh i feel like that's a decent place setter for people um we could kind of wrap up the non-spoiler discussion with just mm -hmm. like what are your non-spoiler <clears throat> thoughts how do you i mean how do you feel at large about this book without kind of giving away any of the mysteries yeah so I mentioned when I was sort of ranking all the books, I put it at 1.1, right yeah. below Necropolis Empire. So overall, I liked it. I had a fun time when I was reading it the first time. I reread it uh, a couple days ago mm -hmm. just to refresh my memory. Um, and I liked it again. And then lore-wise, with some exceptions that, once again, we'll get to... <laughs> It's better than the first two. It's more consistent with established canon. Yeah. Which is something that I care about right. for some reason. <laughs> for some... Because someone's got to, dang it. <laughs> to care about the lore, Matt. Someone's got to do it. If not me, then who? You've taken Weirding, the task. Yeah, wait, wait. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I think, I do genuinely think that this book is worth reading even more so than... Um, like the first one, when that book came out, my thinking was this. I'm just excited that this stuff is happening, right? Yeah. The, the expanded universe like is taking place. We're going to get something. And while I don't love this book, I want to encourage its successors. I want more to happen. I don't think it was a massive failure that just means oh yeah you can't do anything in this universe right that was kind of my feelings of the first book and i think the second book felt like well we're seeing what this one writer's take on the stuff is but we have a lot of short stories in the games in the past that we have seen we know that other people can write very different ideas uh within this yeah. universe and so i think by the time we've gotten to this third book i think i just know a little bit of what to expect out of Tim Pratt, which is why the first half of this book surprised me because I think he was pushing himself more to like do a bit more with the setting rather than just kind of like taking what could have been a somewhat generic sci-fi story and slapping it onto some TI stuff. This felt a little bit more baked into ti stuff like that, yeah, that he exactly. really researched like, ti universe and went i could write a story about this inspires me to write about this kind of a mystery that really only works in this universe i think yeah politics is such a huge part of the setting yeah and you didn't really get any politics right in the first first couple books yeah so it's nice that we got 
at least some of that here. Yeah. If anything, I, I would even just say I would challenge people that uh, have just not wanted to read the books at all for any number of reasons. Maybe this one is the one, the one of the three worth just checking out. And even though I know I said earlier, you probably need to read the first one to like really get this one. I don't, I mean, stylistically, I don't think you do. And I would be curious to hear from anyone who only read this book what they thought about it. So if that's you, if you're listening that you're like, oh yeah, I'm not going to read The Fractured Void, but I'll check out The Veiled Masters. Read it and let us know. I'm curious like how this book hits for someone that doesn't get any of the backstory of the characters from from earlier books or whatever. So uh, with all of that out of the way, I think we need to step away, do a quick little ad break, because everything we're going to do from this point on is we're just going to actually talk about everything that's in this book and we're going to spoil the heck out of it. So this has been your good solid 20-ish minutes of non-spoilers, but we got a lot more to cover after this break. Okay, welcome back. Hi, hello. Did you have you finished the first chapter yet of the book? Did you did you during that ad break binge read I the just very read first the chapter? Thing, Matt, what's yeah. keeping you? <laughs> Boy, what's keeping me is quite a question, isn't it? I'm a slow reader, uh, and it's all I did today. Literally, all the only thing I did today was read this book, and it was only like the second half of it is the only thing that I did today. So I'm I'm real slow at this stuff, but so like. Last Wednesday, when you said, hey, we should record this episode, I was like, I worked a full day at my job. And then <laughs> I was like, you know what? I don't need to refresh myself. I'll read this tonight. I have a kid. I don't know. I have no excuse. I have no excuse. I just am bad at this <laughs> You do. Stuff. You have a baby. Ba yeah. Babies take up at least 80% of your cognitive function. So Sometimes, yeah, feel, it feels like 100% of my cognitive function goes to that. But let's get into the spoilers uh i don't want to sit here and just like relay every single moment of the plot to you but i do think we should kind of go yeah over. we absolutely need to do like a uh, an overview yeah yeah, yeah. Like so we kind of already talked about the setup of all these characters Tarek has been uh is wanted for murder and escapes well actually there's a bit of the setup that we i think we do kind of need to get into because sure. it's kind of important so what this conference that Tarek is at is for is something called the Greater Union. Mm -hmm. And it's an idea that the Mentac Coalition came up with and is basically just, hey, a bunch of factions should get together and like agree to be peaceful with each other and like cooperate and, mm -hmm. you know, be like a be the UK of right. space, a faction of factions. Right. Uh, and so they've got the Emirates of Hakan, the Extra Kingdom, uh, the universities, Mentac Coalition, obviously. Federation of Soul and uh, the Guild of Spies right. are all kind of like coming together, trying to agree to form this coalition. And that's what's going on at this conference that Tarek's at. Yeah. And boy, that's the part that really gets me excited because they he, he, they lead with you're in the perspective of a diplomat and you're like hearing about all of this like negotiate. It's like, I don't know. It's very enticing. And it kind of stops there. That first chapter is... From that point on, that's just the setting of what the mystery all is under. There's not really a lot more politicking you get. There's some. Um, and later on in the book, what we see is the barony are having to lead a sort of counter union <laughs> that they are calling the Legion. Uh, and, yeah. and that is 
the barony. For some reason, the Embers of Muat are on board, mostly just because they really, really, really hate the Jolnar, so they'll align themselves with fascists to uh, to do anything to stop the Jolnar. Uh, you've got the L1Z1X Mindnet are joining in, the Sardak Nor, and... I think the Legion was a little bit smaller. Yeah. So, um, Um, effectively, you have two... I mean, you have the beginnings of World War II-style intergalactic conflict. It's basically World War I. Yeah. (laughs) Setting up World War I in space. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So, uh, with that as the the backdrop, you know, there's, like, a lot of political ramifications to, you know, someone trying to kill someone else at this delegation, at this this conference or whatever, a, a Hakan killing an extra they have to deal with this basically but um like we said earlier the extra in question that was killed was acting very very strangely uh the day before his death essentially and um someone also tries to kill Tarek the night before he is on the run uh and yeah. he he basically knows he's wrapped up in some sort of very strange plot to get higher up people murdered and so he very much has to figure out what is going on and we get this really wonderful chapter and there's a bunch of these sprinkled throughout the book after the first chapter which as matt noted is very long it's a very long chapter yeah we get literally one page i've got my book right in front of me <laughs> it's like two pages. this chapter is just called the faithful yeah and we get the perspective of current who is the extra diplomat that gets uh Tarek's accused of murdering mm-hmm and when you see his perspective and there's someone talking to him telepathically right and all he wants is to serve that telepathic voice in his head and you're <laughs> like what is going on here yeah it's very enticing uh and and you i mean as a fan of the game you immediately start running through your laundry list of people capable of some sort of uh, yeah, to let, you know, like, okay, list, we got that laundry list of one. <laughs> well, Nalu, but you've got other things that you know communicate via like non-physical means, right? Like if 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 my thinking was Tim Pratt could do anything with this, so it could be Nalu. I thought it could be ghosts because ghosts have to find a weird way to communicate. Yeah. It, it could, could be, be the whole race. It could be Might the be literally wraith. a demon worm in his ear. Exactly. Could be Mahawks because Mahawks are Ooh, just yeah, crazy yeah. freaky stuff. I even left room for Nomad because it's just like, who knows what the Nomad is capable of with their future stuff. I don't know. Um, so yeah, I was, exactly. I was willing to accept anything and uh, effectively, as the story goes on, they're, they're all just kind of rampaging throughout the galaxy, and Felix are chasing them down. Severin are chasing them down. They, uh, one of the critical clues to the mystery is that they try to spray Tarek in the face with this thing. So Tarek is trying to get this spray to his science friend, right? We go, we go off to some other place because this is a TI novel. We got to try to go to as many like planets or systems or whatever. I will note. That this one we don't should, go that many places. We don't we go, go like, that many places, and the places we do go are non aren't things you recognize. Like my favorite moment of the first book is the fact that we go to one of the Vegas, right? And we learn about one of the Vegas. That was like my main and we go to talking Nard. point. It's, yeah, we also go to Nar. Like we go to places and this one we don't go to anywhere we've ever heard of until like the very, very end and and barely even that. Um, which which is good in one way because that's expanding the universe beyond just the sure. limited number of planets we get from the game. Yeah, but it doesn't help 
if we don't feel like it's a unique place. Right. And well, that was and, my problem. And I felt like um, all of the planet names and all the thing names that they were giving in this one were extra weird. Like, I don't think of Twilight Empyrean planet names as like too crazy. Right. I mm -hmm. think a lot of them are pretty um, standard things. I found myself unable to pronounce maybe three fourths of the planet names in this book. They were ju they just escaped me on how one would be expected to pronounce it. And, and it was just like, that's too alien to me compared to like what we get. I mean, the Twilight Imperium universe is, is like, I don't know. Archon Vale is a simple name to me. Maybe, maybe that's stupid for that. Lazar. Lazar. Wellen. Thibba. Like they're, I don't know. They're easy. Enelgene is kind of a weird name. Exactly. That's it's, I don't know. It just, they, they feel out of place to me, but regardless, the, uh, the, the point is they go to this, uh, station, this place, the city, whatever it is to meet a Jolnar friend, of Terex. Thank you. A Hylar friend of Terex. And this Hylar friend is a sort of biological uh, guru. They know a lot about. She, she's a drug dealer, basically. Right. <laughs> yeah. she, she creates bespoke <laughs> drugs for people. <laughs> and uh, that's how Terex knows her. Right. Because so, Terex gets involved in all sorts of weird things. The more you follow Terex, the more you learn. He's a diplomat, but he's he's Hakan first. And Hakan means we... We'll do what, you know. We... We'll sell anything exactly. that there's a market for. Right. So uh, we go to meet this friend, and what we learn is the spray and all the stuff going on is related to Arborek spores. Now, they leave the door open to the idea that these are modified. So it might not be that the Arborek are the ones doing this, but it is based on arborec biology that these spores are effectively spraying people and then taking over their minds which is distinctly not an arborec thing right no. the the arborec thing is very specifically they take over corpses the dead mm -hmm. things they can bring back to life and use as their derzuga and their laton you know th these those are the things that communicate at galactic council things taking over a living being is a new mystery to solve. And then of course you get into the whole thing of, well, how do you prove it? Right. Uh, without killing somebody and cutting them open. <laughs> and then like, well, but none of them are acting weird. Yeah, so like, right. it's this, you get the whole conspiracy brain thing of like. There's kind of a good moment in that whole debate. They're, they're deciding how to um, figure out what is going on with these spores and they develop a potential, um, cure for it but they can't test the cure without finding a person that is suffering it and there's a moment where they lean towards this amina is a horrible person thing where she's just the worst she's just the worst and she goes out and i don't know there's some stuff in this book that's like we're writing very flippantly about uh like supposed i don't know drug abusers and and also homeless people and i think there's stuff here where we're like glancing past it in a way that made me fairly uncomfortable uh but all that is to say what's nice is he doesn't pull the trigger on it one of the characters stops yeah, the bad so stuff <laughs> Tarek, Tarek. they they find a homeless person they bring him to the lab they're gonna just like spray him in the face with the spores and then inject him with the cure and see how it goes and Tarek is like mm, no not having any of this we're gonna get him out of here Tarek has kind of a heart of gold we learned that about him in this moment I think that moment worked. I've seen some pre errata from other people that said they they felt it was sort of just like pulling the rug out from under the whole situation, but I, it worked for me. 
be too. I think what they're saying is just like, uh, it felt what they were saying is it felt like the book was like, we're not ready yeah. to know the cure works yet or That's whether true. the cure works or not yet. And so we're getting rid of our only option for testing it. So we have to go somewhere else. Yeah. But I think it was a great character moment because yeah. Tarek, like he's a mildly, we, he admits that to be a mildly corrupt ambassador. Right. He's good friends with this underground bespoke drug dealer. Right. Uh, like he's not really presented as the most squeaky clean person, but he does this as like, no, this is a line. We're not right. infecting a, a innocent person with mind control spores right. that could just take over their entire life. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it's a critical character moment and especially based on some stuff that I think is dumber that comes up later though uh, there's more things to learn about Tarek but mm -hmm. knowing this about Tarek that in like a moment that mattered they chose to let someone live I think uh, I think that sets up stuff for later that that helps us sort of put Tarek next to Azad and know how different of people they are. It's it's a very big contrast we need to be aware of. And I, I think that I think that's the other reason it works for me is you have seen how horrible Azad is in the past. You know Azad is more than willing to do this step right now. But the one other like it's just Azad and Tarek working together through this stuff. This this Hylar friend is helping them, but but they're not a part of the team. They're just for hire basically. And knowing that these two disagree on this fundamental part of how to handle business I, I think is a is a critical moment absolutely there's someone we haven't talked about yet that we mm. kind of need to talk about duval has a a guest on his ship oh yeah put there by uh the kingdom of extra because it was one of their diplomats that died right uh and so they want to have you know some say in how this gets resolved uh matt do you want to talk about do you want to talk about this character yeah uh so her name her, well, her name is an extra name, so, you know, we're not going to... I've got it. Yeah, well, we know it, but I, that doesn't mean we can pronounce it. Gorgoskal. Uh, <laughs> Gorgoskal. Uh, uh, it, I, I call her Georgie. Georgia, Georgia, Georgia over here uh, is a... I loved the, uh, the pre-errata we got from, I believe it was Bradley Sigma, saying it's really weird that we got an extra that isn't like all of the other extra when we haven't in any of these books been introduced to an extra that is like all the ex other extra. So we're given this extra that is like a warmonger extra. She, she kicks butt. She takes names. She, she is a huge she warrior. She right. is very, very direct. Yes. Um, nothing diplomatic about her at all, which is like, that's a cool character. And it's like, if you know that extra are supposed to be diplomatic, you're like, that's, I guess, interesting. But I, I yearn for the story about the properly diplomatic extra. I want to learn more about actual extra personally, but no, this is cool. Fine. And she's, I don't know. She's around. She's a character. I think there's fun moments with her, but I fail. There, there are fun moments with her. She does serve one very important purpose mm -hmm. though. And that is because in another one of those faithful chapters, when uh, the guides, as we learn they're called, are yeah. telling all of the faithful, like, we need to capture Tarek. Uh, we need to have somebody on the ship that's going after yeah. after him. One of the guides, uh, one of the faithful that we've met before, the person who tried to uh, infect Tarek, mm -hmm. says, we do have somebody on that ship. 
Yes. You know, you know, look and see, you'll find there's someone on that ship. Right. And so Gorgoskal is the plant and is supposed to make you think, well, it's got to be this new person, right? Right. But is it? Right. Uh, so, and you spend a lot of the book just being very suspicious of this extra on their ship. They, they finally, basically, uh, Duvall and Severin all arrive on the same planet as Amina and Tarek, just as Tarek is out getting, uh, s releasing the homeless person back into their life. Uh, he comes back and there's, um, uh, Duvall and his team and like Severin is showing up later. Basically it's another one of those moments where like all three of the plots start to collide. And shortly after that basically is when they are all properly grouped up and uh, they have to sort of spill the beans to each other about what the heck is going on. And so then mm -hmm. they be, that's when they join forces to properly solve this mystery because there's no point in any of them going back anywhere when they, they have to know what's going on with this broader conspiracy because just catching this Hakan that probably didn't actually murder those people isn't going to help anyone. And we're all aware of that now, basically. Yeah, exactly. I would say that's where the <laughs> the mystery stops developing as much, too. And that's kind of where my brain started to tune out a bit more. We learned so much in this science office about the Arborex spores, and we're getting repeated faithful chapters. And the faithful chapters bounce back and forth between being really fun and really cool and really good and really tense and really surprising. But then also the other half are just like, Some we've completely, just... we've buried the lead. We've cut off the idea of any suspense. We've, mm -hmm. we've given away the goose. We've told you all the mysteries that are upcoming in future chapters. Too often he like tells you exactly who all the spore zombie people are. Uh, all the body snatched people you learn about pretty much in faithful chapters when it's like, man, if we, if we had like half of these faithful chapters, there would be a lot of mystery and a lot of tension about like anybody could be body snatched all right so early on we get a chapter where the the medic head of medical the medical head of the station mm -hmm. that the extra diplomat was killed on is going to have an autopsy they this, this people want to you know see what happened right and the doctor you know starts the autopsy and is like Something is wrong here. This extra's brain has plants in it. Um, and then another one of the faithful comes in and converts him. And that's a good one. Right. Because it's just like showing just like the creeping vines. It's showing and then that you doctor how it comes works. back in another chapter later where the guides, this mysterious force, you know, mm -hmm. controlling everything is like trying to solve a very big problem with this process that they're using. Yeah. And once the doctor's opinion and the doctor's going through the data and talking with them, that's another good one because it's kind of showing we already knew the doctor was infected. Right. And it shows, you know, how this is all working. Yeah. But then there's another one where a very minor character we meet in the first chapter is still being, you know, everybody's still being held for questioning. And then at this point, Duval has told his boss yeah. about the uh of the conspiracy and his bosses said you know i'm gonna look into this and so this very minor character this federation of soul diplomat lilith gets infected because she won't she basically told uh duval's boss jury that Tarek was probably innocent and 
the faithful want her to recant. Right. She won't. So they infect her and make her recant. And that definitely puts it up like, oh, they're probably going to go try and get jury too, just to make sure. Right. Right. And then later we, you know, jury does a 180 with a con- in a conversation with Duval. Yeah. And yeah. Duval's like, "Oh no, did they get him?" Literally next page is jury hanging up and being part of the faithful. And it's right. like, "Okay, yeah, they got him." It's like if you hadn't given us that scene where they implied they're going to go try and get jury and then they haven't given us that scene confirming they got jury, there'd be a mystery of right. maybe jury found something. That made him think it's not real, but he hasn't been infected. Right. There's an interesting tension there that is completely undercut by all of these faithful chapters just completely telling you exactly what's going on. And mm-hmm. it's just it, it really does just sort of stop being a mystery novel that expects you to be trying to solve the mystery and turns into a novel that is Look about cool a mystery. mystery yes, exactly. Look how cool <laughs> this mystery was earlier. Um and it just and it does that for like a while. You're you mm-hmm. you are in this moment of stasis for a very long time of they just need to figure out exactly who like is in charge, like what they're after because what you're learning throughout all of this is this spore god, these voices are trying to get both sides connected which is very confusing for a while and and i would say confusing in a way where you're like why would that be happening i'll be interested to find out i'm curious what could Mm -hmm. who could possibly benefit from all of this greater union forming at the same time as this legion union right they're not working for the legion they're not working for the greater union but they are influencing both parties to connect together that's interesting even if we know very little about it i'm curious to know what's going to happen what are they trying to accomplish with this like this doesn't seem like it accomplishes all that much what is they just want peace what's also delicious within that is my favorite moment in all of the faithful (laughs) chapters is when you start to get this idea that the person in charge of these things uh, maybe isn't competent. <laughs> um, there, there is, there is which, a part. Which I think is you really get that idea in the doctor chapter I mentioned where they're right. talking with the doctor like, okay, we've got this problem. How do we fix it? Well, you, you can't really fix it. Right. Oh. Yeah, the, the, the doctor says, but at times they seemed to have difficulty grasping matters that seemed simple enough to him. It's th- the people following these masters have a little bit of autonomy. They have their they remember their connections. They know their life. They know their experiences and they know right after they're infected. They're basically just as competent yes. as they were it's before the infection. The only thing that has changed about them is that they want to do their master's bidding. That's the mm-hmm. only thing that changed. And, and they want to do the best job they can. So a lot of them come at it with this perspective of like, it sounds like my masters don't know what's going on, but I want to serve them and do the best job that I can. So I'm trying to tell them the way I can do it. And you just get, you get a number of times chapters where like, you can tell whoever's in charge of this thing doesn't know how to accomplish what they're... Tr- it's it's like you were given a first chapter of this book with a, a brilliant genius diplomat, and then you see this huge diplomatic scheme, and you realize the person behind the huge diplomatic scheme has lost the plot and doesn't know what they're doing with this big diplomatic <laughs> scheme, and it's definitely gotten out of hand and it's getting away from them. I feel like this book could have been a comedy that really played with that. It's definitely not. And I think 
as that starts to fall apart and the mystique of that starts to go away is when the plot falls apart for me. But while it's still a mystery, I was having the most fun I was having with this book. While it's still like, they got to find this guy. And when they find him, who knows who it's going to be? Because they don't know what is going on and they are hopeless here. Uh, So I I think up until that moment is when I was like very much enjoying it. We we just, um, everybody figured out what's going on. They... Uh, Duval and Severin team up because they're mm-hmm. like, oh, we're both after this Tarek guy. Yeah. Uh, but they escaped. So, uh, and then somehow both Duval and Severin get orders from their bosses saying, hey, we know exactly where they're going. <laughs> right. Somehow. Yeah. I wonder how that happened. Yeah. This plus- and, and that becomes sort of the trajectory of everything is it's constantly the bosses coming to tell them exactly where to go, which is... Plot-wise, like, important, right? Oh, we're getting more and more information about the fact that, like, this goes all the way up, baby. You know, this 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 plot, has, the plot thickens because all the people above us are whatever. But it, it also sort of starts to make it boring in terms of, and so then the characters go from destination A to destination B with no the, nothing in between, and then we get to destination B just so that we can have the mystery revealed to us. We just need them to be there so that this can happen because they, they go... The place that they're going to is essentially sort of a random out-of-the-way planet where a former Mentak high-up official has gone to be... She's basically bedridden because what we know about these spores is the longer they're in your brain, you become more and more of just a vegetable. You... you, you In more way. Yeah. You lose <laughs> the will to live because all you want to do is just think about your masters and how wonderful they are and you just become kind of... You just stop thinking about anything and so they they're gonna go try and find this uh this captain or or higher up than that this commander and uh Tarek and them are going there because they know that's a reliable place to find people infected with the spores they know people with the spores are there so we can go there and try our cure on them and our other part members of the team know to go there because they were specifically told to go there so they go there and that's when they all meet up and uh, they are effectively doled out the answers to all of the rest of the mysteries on this planet. So, to her credit, Severin does, a, I think, does a really good job. Her boss is uh, Admiral Imental, yes. who is like the High Admiral, and Severin does a really good job. Uh, she's uh, probably very recently infected, because mm-hmm. uh, so, she does a really good job of just being her normal self. But Severin does a really good job of wheedling out little discrepancies from her, like what, what, what? Based on our knowledge, what do we think Tarek's doing? Right. Oh, he's trying to disrupt the Greater Union. Then why are we trying to stop him? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's, and then, like, she's seeing through it. And what's great about that is that's what we referred to earlier. Those are those hints of the old Severin wouldn't have questioned authority. No, be a good little letnev. But this is the new Severin that is a little bit keeping an eye out for inconsistencies and is career motivated. So she's looking for ways to replace higher up officers. Anyway, she's just trying to take everyone else's job. So when she sees these things, she's actually going to act on them. And that's the one, it's like the one thing that feels like proper big growth from previous books uh, that, that we get out of Severin. It's, it's the, like, I would say the character moment I appreciate the most is her 
deducing all the stuff with Emmentel and and figuring out what to do about it because it's like that's very not Letnev of you to uh, go against all of your orders basically. Yeah, um, but they go to this fleet captain Harlow, I believe is her name. Yes, that's right. Uh, they go to her planet. Uh, they get attacked by her maid and her butler, and then we get a reveal <laughs> about ta- about Tarek. Uh, apparently Tarek this entire time yeah. we thought he was a diplomat. No, he's, he's been a super spy. He's for, just another spy. Yeah. For some uh, reason. Everybody in this book is a spy. <laughs> uh, the, all the interesting thing about having a diplomat along for the ride. No, he was just a spy. Yeah. It's, um, it's pretty, I, I, I saw the pre-erata where people were multiple people had that issue with this book. I didn't immediately have that much of an issue with it, but it is it is goofy. It's stupid as all heck. Give me um, that blue text. Get through this before you think Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. Sorry. Turn on my light wave deflectors and move on. Uh, so, <laughs> I yeah, it's it's whatever. Um, but I, I don't know that why we needed another spy. But to its credit, like we referred to earlier, now we know Tarek is a super spy. Their next adventure they have to go on is going to involve Tarek and Amina working together as big time super spies. But going into it, no, knowing no, it. we know Tarek can do it and we know Tarek isn't there to just lose cash. Like it's a, now now that we know Tarek is a big time super warrior, we know that his desire to keep innocence alive matters in mm-hmm. contrast to Amina Azad. So to that end, I think the pieces all fit together. It does work. It just feels unnecessary to have another spy in this i don't think it goes against anything in Tarek's character i don't think it it undermines anything in Tarek's character it just feels like we slapped it on top of everything else so and here's here's the thing i would have liked him to stay a diplomat because then when he goes on that final mission with azad yeah that shows even more character because then he doesn't have that super spy training right. well and he's still risking his life to f- to save the galaxy but absol how could we have a scary adventure and have any conflict in it? No, no, no. This story is about our heroes undergoing no problems and saving no, the day right. within three pages. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they, they wake up this uh, Harlow. They are just told by Harlow everything that's going on. Yeah, it is revealed that there is an Arborek. Uh, offshoot. There's a Latani that was designed as a, a sort of warfare technology. It was supposed to figure out more things about war, learn about the enemies, and it has gone rogue. We we will talk more about this later. I, I, I promise you we will talk about this specific Arborex stuff, but I want to finish wrapping up our other characters. Yes, stuff. yes. So the, the three missions we get dealt with are this. What we learn from Harlow in a, just this big massive dump of exposition here in the <laughs> the third quarter of this uh, book, we are told everything that now has to happen for the book because the mystery is gone. There's no more mystery in the book now. Now all that has to happen is we have to go kill this Arborek and what we know is the Arborek is setting up, is engineering a situation where the reason we have... It's not the Arborek doing it. It's specifically Latani Osero. Osero is the name I was trying to remember. This one specific offshoot rogue Latani is trying to orchestrate a thing where the leaders of all of these nations are both meeting at these two meetings at the same time. All these bad guys, all these good guys are all meeting, and a bunch of them have been infected already, but we are going to launch two attacks on each other to spark a huge 
intergalactic conflict between the two of them. We will start World War One. They will decimate each other into ashes, and from those ashes will rise the Arborek. The Latani is trying to reclaim their sense of, I guess, honor? I guess Latani have honor. This Latani, yes, we'll get into it, but (laughs) this, for some reason, this Latani has honor and wants to... Wants to be a hero. It's specifically mentioned they want to be a hero. Yeah, they want to be a hero and bring back this great... Uh, moment for the Arborek when they're able to reconnect with the symphony that is uh, the Arborek. And so our team is tasked with three missions. Felix has to go stop one ship from killing people on Ark Prime. Mm-hmm. And has then to stop the Mentak ship from attacking Ark Prime. Severin, Severin has to stop the Barony ship from killing Mole Primus people. And then Tarek and Amina Azad are going to go do their crazy dastardly spy stuff to go kill the Latani itself, Latani Osero. Um, and that is handled very quickly in three chapters. We just do it. We do all of those things. They do it. They save the day. There is literally, in, in two of the chapters, there is in there. literally like- no conflict at all. Felix just does it. Severin, even more as a joke, just does it because Severin just blows up the ship. Severin just, they just knew. I really liked that. <laughs> I, I, I didn't like the pace of it, but I liked that Felix and his crew go on this super mission to infiltrate this ship and uh-huh. free everybody and cure them right. and stop it like that. And Severin's just like, no, just blow it up. Yeah, fire the <laughs> blasters, uh, have at it. And it's, it's a joke that works, but it's a post mystery solved mm-hmm. climax it structure it just like doesn't make any sense to me and it's where i started to get like actually frustrated with the book is like this is a spy novel and now we're just doing crazy stuff now we're just doing whatever we feel like and it almost seems like it's going to be good like we, we get these two out of the way and then cut to Tarek and amina and this one's going to take and a little bit longer there's another plot going on actually yeah so we know we find out Osero through the faithful chapters. Osero has a backup plan. Yes. If these ships get intercepted, they're just the faithful are just going to plant bombs, right? And blow blow them up like that. And so we're like, oh, we have to get to Osero and stop them before the bombs go off, right? So Tarek and Amina are trying to do that. There's some decent stuff of them fighting our brick. Honestly, it's like I allowed myself to enjoy it more than I technically enjoyed it because i've been really yearning for some arborex stuff we just have like no arborex fiction basically like we have the back of the arborex sheet and that's Ar- literally we're not it. mentioned before this book yes this is so uh i just want some good like i want arborex horror and stuff and and they get on the ship and it's pretty freaky it's like there's mm-hmm. there's plant tentacles there's like zombie people on the ship kind of busting out of closets or whatever you know they're just coming out of the woodworks and it's it's okay. It's a decent. I don't like reading action. Is what it really comes down to for me. So whatever this this I I get through this part. But there is some back and forth of you know are they actually going to survive? But of course neither character suffers any actual turmoil or harm because they are both master spies and they are able to blow up basically the entire ship and get away scot free. Um, but they are effectively told. I've already done, you know, it, it, it sets itself up to be a sort of Watchmen-esque 
moment where oh, yeah, the, I've I'll, already won. I'll spoil that for everybody else. That there's a moment in the Watchmen where he says he's revealed his plan. And you're like, oh my gosh, you revealed your plan. And he goes, oh, I it's because I did it. I did it three hours ago. It's done. I'm already done. And you, I, it felt like it was setting that kind of a thing up. I was ready for like a bad thing to finally happen I, in one I of these books. I, I really thought we were going to get one bad moment and then we cut to it and it's like, nope, turns out we killed the Latani just in time. Uh, we go to another faithful chapter with Imantel. And all the faithful are cured. Yes. Just before we set the bombs off, we cure everybody. And then it's basically epilogue time where everybody's going off to their happy little islands. Terex is the one that's actually satisfying because we really like this guy. <laughs> and he says, I, I've worked for you forever. I want to just go retire. Peacefully. I want out of the spy spy, yeah. spy life. I just want to retire. Which is hilarious because EJ and I just read a book recently by John LeCar that is The Spy Comes Out of the Cold, which is the same, which is that. It's a spy who's been trying to get out of the spy life. So I, I hate to break, break it to Tarek, but you never come out of the cold. Uh, or you, you, you come <laughs> in from the cold, just so you know. If you, if you, need, to, if you need to learn more about that, go read some sp uh, John LeCar spy novels. Anyways... Uh, uh, we finally learned who Azad's mysterious yeah. employees were. Oh boy, were. Uh, whatever. I, I'm so mad at this point of the book that that it, it, so, I don't even uh, care she was anymore. By the Nalu Collective, yeah, uh, because the Nalu are the ones who do telepathy, and they yeah. are very unhappy. Yeah, <laughs> that someone else was doing telepathy really badly. Yeah, so they're like, we need you to stop this so it doesn't make us look bad. Right. Yeah, people need to know telepathy doesn't work like this. Uh, there's a uh, stuff with But Severin. it actually turns out she wasn't working for the... Well, she was working for the Nalu. She was working with the Nalu, but the Nalu were working on behalf of the Nomad. Yeah, which is a funny... That one feels like he's just trying to... He, he needed to check off like one more box of a faction to include. It's literally like the epilogue. It's just this little mm -hmm. moment with the Nomad being... And the Nalu show up to be like, we did that thing you asked. And he's like, good, good. The future is saved another day and cut you know fade to black or whatever it's really it's silly weak. i i i think it's fine especially for like you know tim pratt's novels have a light-hearted quality to them and they're supposed to mm -hmm. be kind of serialized you know afternoon special action stuff and i so i think it's fine the other stuff we get is severin uh gets an awesome promotion but she also gets a week of uh you know bed rest go 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 relax and I don't know. For some reason, Amina Azad is in her room. We got to deal with their weird relationship that is like brought up kind of constantly throughout the book. The two of them yeah. um, kind of love each other, kind of hate each other. They have a whole thing. It was <clears throat> I found it somewhat interesting in the first book. But in this book, they just reference it all the time, but nothing yeah. actually is happening with Azad it. Azad wants to bring it up all the time, right. and it's really annoying. Yeah, it's annoying, and it doesn't feel like it's earned um, at all. It doesn't feel like the two have actually had any sort of development to that relationship. They just want to, you know, they just want to, you know, have their adult fun together every now and then. That's it. That's all that their relationship chalks up to. And they say as much in the final the final chapter is Amina being like, listen, we're not going to have a relationship but maybe we can hang out every once in a while. What do you think? I don't know. Maybe that will be fun. And they're like, okay, cool. And the book ends for them. And that's it. That's the end of these characters as far as we know. I mean, Tim Pratt mm -hmm. is technically done writing Twilight Imperium novels. Who knows if he's ever, you know, he, who knows if he ever comes back. But currently there is no plan for him to return to Twilight Imperium novels. So this that's how we end the adventures of Duval's Devils and Severin Dampierre and Amina Azad and all of these characters. Um, so... You know, it's it's a fine little wrap up conclusion to all of them. It's actually 
tying up loose ends at the end, whereas Fractured Void felt very open-ended and weird in how it ended. It was very just like, I don't understand what these characters are supposed to do, which is why the second book not bringing any of them back felt like a weird follow-up. So at least, I, I still feel like now at least you can have book one and book three as like a sort of complete set of like these characters are going to go through at least some things, even if not all of them have like good character growth necessarily. Yeah, Matt, I think it might be time. I've held it back, it, okay, back long enough. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, so we we glazed over um, this Latani. And yeah. um, I, as a lore idiot was reading it and thinking this feels wrong even i know that this feels wrong uh so absol i invite you to please set the record straight on what is going on with osero why does it not work we've written it in our notes for we we took took some notes about what we want to talk about i have written it in bold in our notes Phoenix goes on a massive rant about Osero. And that's, that rant is about to start, Matt. Okay. So Start the timer. First of all, <laughs> this is the lowest common denominator of mm-hmm. what you could do with the Arbrek as a villain. Agreed. And I hate it. The Arbrek evolved for millions of years, probably, to be a, you know, a single ecological hive mind. Right. And Osero's been around for what? A decade, maybe, probably yeah, less. Right. And all of a sudden, he's so individual that he's forgotten that the Arbre... He thinks he can be a hero for a faction that doesn't have a concept of individuality. Right. There's no sense of self. That, yeah. A Latani, Latani Osfa does not think of Latani Osfa. They only use Latani Osfa for the benefit of other people to refer to that individual pod, basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, at the core... It just doesn't work. And I, just like you, I want some fun Arborek. Yeah. Like, Arborek seems like a fun villain to have. Mm-hmm. But there are ways you can do it that doesn't completely undermine what the faction is about. Right. The Arborek are alien. They should be alien in a way that doesn't make them seem like an incompetent fool. Yeah. Well, and it, it, you even could have leaned into that, right? There is a level of incompetence to the Arbrek. I'll give you an example. In this book, there is one or two hilarious chapters with the L1Z1X because the idea is these spores are getting sprayed in people's faces. And um, what we are able to learn is the embers of Muat can't, it doesn't work, right? They are the, the flame. Spores just burn up. Yeah, they're flame beings. Of course it wouldn't work. Fire type beats grass type. Everyone knows that. <laughs> Uh, but the funny one is they are infecting L1Z1X and L1Z1X. They are, are infected partially biological, but they are mostly cybernetic at this point, right? They are primarily mm-hmm. cybernetic enhancements, and so all the L1Z1X that you see infected are like, yeah, 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 yeah. The great, the great mission that we're all on, which is for the benefit of the L, you're all going to join the L1Z1X, right? Because that's the only thing that matters is that we are the most that's powerful. That's the only thing that makes sense. It's the only the thing only that makes sense. Logically. <laughs> is for all of you to want to be under our rule. Yeah. But we don't quite understand what the guides are getting at because their mission doesn't seem to accomplish that. Literally does not compute. It's so funny and it operates within what we know about L1Z1X, and it, it's you could do that same trick with the Arborek, right? The Arborek mm-hmm. are completely naive to certain things, and you could play with that, and you could have fun with that idea that they would be incompetent at this kind of um, 
powerhouse chess playing, right? They're not, they don't know how to play the game in quotes, right? So it would, yeah. it doesn't actually fail to track that in Arbor, like that the Arborek could come up with this kind of a plan, right? That, oh, we're going to make all of the nations work against each other so that they die and we get to use their corpses as our army. How convenient would that be for the Arborek? Like all of that stuff makes some sort of sense, but they've set it under this backdrop of an individual Latani doing that on behalf of the symphony. And that's where it sort of falls apart. Matt, we haven't gotten to the part that just drives me (laughs) insane. So this book and specifically Latani Ocero and how they, how this entire plot works Mm -hmm. is my biggest argument for these books, not being canon to the rest of the lore. Sure. (laughs) The canon matters. Because, so here's the thing. Matt, how do the Arborek communicate? Like one Arborek being communicating with another. How do they do that? They just, there's, I would say it's not even a communicate. It's the symphony and it's just, it's, there's just a knowing presence between each other, right? Like, okay, but how does the symphony, like, sit, you know, one Arborek being says, is like doing science and says, I need some stuff from over here. How does the symphony communicate that need to a different Arborek organism over there? There's, I don't remember the exact. They use spores, Matt. There's spores. I know that there's like a connection because the the whole point of a Latani is the idea that you can become so distant from the planet of Nestfar that you become a new hub for the spores to be distributed yeah, to that area. Yeah, the Latani generates and the spores. Nesfar doesn't know everything happening community. at that Latani, but when that Latani returns close enough to Nesfar, all of that information is immediately basically downloaded to Yeah, exactly. Uh, to so Nesfar. Here's the thing about spores, Matt. Spores don't live in space, <laughs> okay? There is not a giant spore network over a quarter yeah, of the galaxy right. allowing this communication to happen. Yeah. How is Latani Acero communicating to all these faithful? Yeah, it's all over too. What's even wilder to me about all this is this is, we counted what, nine, 10 factions involved in these two different things. Like, mm-hmm. where are the Arborek? The actual proper Arborek? Like, if Latani Osero is operating independently, you're telling me there's not a single other Latani or Derzuga? Like, we were, like, near the Galactic Council. I don't understand how all of the rest of the Arborek is completely detached from this if what you're telling me is Osero stuff travels through space very, very easily, huge distances from Mole Primus to Arc Prime, wherever those planets insane. are, those all of our stuff is in that side of a network, but Arborek is nowhere between or near that area, basically. So, yeah, that's my other thing. They communicate with spores. They don't have a giant spore network throughout that entire area of space, but also spores are biological. Mm-hmm. They cannot send faster than light signals. Right. So how is Osero communicating real time with all these people <laughs> all over the galaxy? So maybe you say, okay, maybe Osero has some sort of like thing that can send a signal to the little nodes. They have little nodes that they're putting right. around so that the faithful can communicate. Okay, then how are the faithful communicating back? Are there faster than light communication devices in the nodes? Well, we know there aren't yeah. because Calred, who was infected, tells us what the node looked like when he planted it. Right. And he said it was barely a seed. Yeah. So there's no faster than light communication ne- device in there. So even if, let's say, Calred forgot to mention he put one in, 
That means the faithful's communication is using regular faster than light right. communication methods, yeah. which could be detected or blocked, which means someone should have noticed that these weird signals were going around all these people. Yeah, Th this all I, I can hear some listeners who who are not into lore stuff thinking we're we're picking nits here. But let me put it to you another a different way, which is to say all of these issues could be solved if you lean more into the idea that the Arborek is not an all-seeing, all-knowing power, right? But they just have these little pods that have a certain degree of information, some semblance of the symphony. They have they have a, a portion of the knowing of all of the Arborek, but those things get detached from each other, and that's where the messiness of all of this, when when a person is connected to their little pod, they are just talking to that pod, but that pod doesn't know everything, and thus is the imperfectness of this plan that Osero is supposedly trying to pull. There's no reason yep, for exactly. Osero to try to be a hero, because there is a certain sense of individualism with Latani. By that I mean they don't think of themselves as an individual, but they are separated from the symphony from a, a yeah. for a certain amount of time and further pods that they send out can also be separated from Osero and you could have very easily played with that and gotten to the exact same conclusions of all mm -hmm. of these things but instead we inserted these ideas of like somehow all of this stuff knows everything for some reason this Latani wants to be a hero it's like very very tiny pieces that push against all the things we know that didn't have to be there. That's the whole thing is you could have done yet, Matt. I am yeah. not done yet. <laughs> have at it. What happens at the end there, Matt? What happens? They kill Osero and all the faithful are cured. Instantly. Okay, so we established Osero is not has to send some kind of signal. If we're allowing for this to work, Osero has to send some kind of signal right. to the faithful to communicate with them. We know because we see a chapter where some Letnev who are infected go to Muat to talk with the Goshlai to convince, them, convince yeah. them to join the Legion. It literally says, Osero tells their faithful that you're going outside the range of the, of the network. Right. You will not be able to talk to me. Right. So we know not being able to receive a signal from Osero does not kill them, does not immediately set them free. <laughs> so when Osero dies... Why? why do why don't they all just continue doing their last orders? Yep. How do they even know Osero's dead? Osi that means Osero had to send a signal. Yep. To to tell all to of them. Tell them they're why dead. was that signal Osero sent? Set your hosts free. Yeah. Why wasn't it kill your hosts so that they can't say what happened and have all ten of these factions turn on the Arborek in rage? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It, it really doesn't. I, I hadn't even gone that far myself in thinking. I, I kind of forgot about the Muat disconnect uh, portion, that, that chapter. But that's, a, that's exactly right. That there, it is firmly, well, it's a firmly established, even in Osero's backdrop, that he became disconnected from the symphony enough that he just continued going on doing his own thing. Why can Osero Our live? Organisms work. Right. Is that it, you can disconnect without immediately dying. Right. So why did they all immediately die when Osero disconnected? Yeah. There's no it's, answer. <laughs> it boggles the mind. Cannot be canon, in my opinion. Sure. Sure. I think we have I think we look at these books and when we talk about first off, first off, everyone, when we talk about canon stuff, 
all we're talking about is from the standpoint of a desire to see future fiction and to just try to have some semblance of a consistency. It's not like yeah, exactly. uh, if, if a future canon successfully justified why a change was being made, that's, that's perfectly fine. The issue with this being in quotes, not canon is because it does nothing to justify itself. Right. That's why you push back against these things in lore arguments. It's, it's not just to like be a weird, you know, Star Wars p person who's just like, no, ships don't work that way. They they would. That's never how they. That's not what we're doing here. What we're talking about is like a direct inconsistency that it just didn't have to be. That like it. It so easily it could have, have been. Be there. You could have come up with a completely different justification and had the same plot, done the same things, but it just shows a a sort of lack of investment to explore the confines that have been set up for these interesting factions. That's the whole thing, right? Is I'm very interested in the Arborek at this point. After uh, we we did the earlier radio lores, and Arborek was my favorite one to make. I got to do crazy voice stuff, but also learning more about the Arborek. It's a it's mm -hmm. such a it's a, it's an inspiring setting to try to think of stories to be placed in, and to see so many of the inspiring and interesting parts just ignored is what is kind of annoying, basically. Yeah. So. All in all, the ending undercuts some more stuff. It so also... I did not... I failed, Matt. I did not invest heavily enough in blue tech. Yeah, yeah. You, you, I, I started thinking... You did not get Lightwave. Just... I, 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 I failed to say you even got anti-mass deflectors there. <laughs> I think I think, I think I you were trapped in the That was field. a mistake. <laughs> you were motivated, that's for sure. Uh... I, I I think that this book is again the first half is is great like is legitimately great and you just sort of have to get past oh, I, the second find everybody despite that massive rant and how much I really dislike what Osero's plan was and how Osero mm -hmm. operated remember I rated this as 1.1 1 .1, right. right behind my favorite of the trilogy yeah. and I had fun with this book when I read it yeah yeah. So uh, I, I'm not saying I hate this book. It's the worst thing ever. It's trash. It's, you should throw it in the fire. No, no. no I, I enjoyed it. I've got my copy. I'll probably read it again. Yeah, I I'm just uh, I'm still of the the standpoint that I I'm just glad these things exist at all. I'm glad yes. we even have these stories to critique. It's not like every single I don't like every single faction sheet. I think the Hakan faction sheet blows. I think it's, it's very so short. It's there's so no short and there's no there. information. You don't know anything about everything we've written about Hakan since the Hakan faction sheet is like better assumptions than you can make based off anything off the faction sheet. You, you're basing more off of other stories. Like there's there's plenty of weaknesses all out there. So it's not to say like Tim Pratt failed at his job of being the new TI writer. That's not what Tim Pratt's job was. Tim Pratt's job was to write three fun stories in the TI universe. I call them successes. I look forward to more. There is The Stars Beyond uh, that just came out last week. It is a... Sigma is tormenting me because he read it basically <laughs> the night it came out. Yeah, yeah. I can't read unless I've got something in my hands. Right. I, I have to have a, a physical book and the physical book doesn't come out till the 22nd. Yeah. So he's just posting giant blocks of spoilers <laughs> we have to wait. and taunting me to open them. But I'm very excited for that one. I really like 
all of the short stories we already have. I'm excited for more. I think short stories are the graphic maybe, novels too. The graphic the novels we have of those. We don't have amazing. any information about them really, but we just know they're coming at some point. But I like a shorter, self-contained story in the TI universe. I think it's more fit for that. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, my promise to the listeners is we will come back actually relatively soon. There was a big gap between all three of these book review episodes. Um, the you know the books were like a year or more apart, but um, I want to dive right into the stars beyond because it's the one yeah, I've been yeah, the too. most I'll excited definitely. for since I heard they were doing it. A collection of short stories is has been right up my alley. Um, and I think my goal with that one is um, Aconite Publishing actually started releasing audiobooks of all of them all three of these books and the short stories and i'm a big audiobook person i've been actually reading all three of these it's been fun it's fine but like i said it takes me forever i'm just very slow at physically reading i also get distracted easily i get tired easily lots of things interrupt me but i can slap an audiobook on and burn right through these things so i am probably going to listen to all of the audiobook uh for when we do the episode on the stars beyond, but I'm incredibly excited. Uh, yeah, for me that too. One. And it sounds like they're good. I mean, I've seen a little bit, I've been trying not to read spoilers, but the people that have read it, Bradley Sigma and others, um, seem to like them quite a bit. I don't know that um, again, not all the stories are going to be created equally. It's the best of the four that we have right. so far. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm very stoked. Uh, and, and I promise you, uh, as soon as the paperback is out, and both Absol and I have read it. We will be back to you with more of it. Uh, and of course, we will uh, hopefully be back relatively soon with some radio lore. I'm getting my schedule finally like on track where I'm able to set aside very specific time to dedicate to radio lore, which means like I can have kind of a hopefully a steady supply of uh, those micro episodes coming out. Here we were kind of hoping one radio lore per week. Yeah. Don't know if we'll be able to hit that. We'll see. But that we'll was- see initially the goal right initially it might be it might be three one week and then two weeks off and then (laughs) whatever it it is what it is um but my my solemn vow to you is that we get all of the uh all the faction sheets and all the short stories in some sort of audio format that's just what i want that's like a that's just my own little goal is for that to be cataloged in an audio format just for accessibility purposes for people who want to get into the lore but can't physically you know read it or whatever and any sorts of things like that that's that's why i'm really excited for radio lore but um absol thank you for joining me on our third and final ride uh through the tim pratt books uh i definitely appreciate your your lore guidance but also just your appreciation of good books so so thank you for hanging out yeah thanks once again thanks for having me uh, i also have to thank all of our weird bears big al cappuccino squeamish emu brassbird kaluan jadim jedi carnal john necrodice twice kindred spirit alice lord raddington old man gi bagels endless fc sunfax absol ricky m44 rys wecker and wh chismar and i also have to thank mama's lovely larva patience is a virtue my son is also named bort nerf zerg balzrick tautology is what it is frank g Recca. General Pith, Uncle Batty, Savant, Teddy's Jam for You, and Vince. Uh, Homebrewers Guild, your announcement is that the game was just played last weekend, and we will do some more Homebrewers Guild very, very soon, but I have no idea what I have slated for that. Honestly, we will probably do a second round of Absol's Agendas, and that's not a joke. I want to, you you refined your uh, uh, agenda deck since the last time we played it, and did, yeah. uh, the <clears throat> current thinking is Hunter and I want to do a very weird, very stupid uh, weird bear tournament where we do a bunch of dumb things in it like alliance mode plus 
other homebrew plus other homebrew, and I think one of those is going to be Absol's Agendas as like either one of the games or the whole tournament. It just includes them. I don't know. So we, we want to keep working on on those agendas, uh, but I like them quite a lot. I've got a, a little bit of an announcement for you on that. Ooh. On that, let me hear it. Recent Galactic Council poll. One of the options was you guys do a homebrew uh, relics deck. Oh yeah. I got hearing that got the wheels turning, and I'm just I'm going to take the same scalpel. <laughs> Still got agenda bits on it to the to the relics deck and just sort of tweak them yeah. so that every relic is something like ooh I got that yeah that's what I want is I want relics that are like distinctly uh, interesting and also what's cool that I've started to see people doing I saw Wecker and some others doing this there are more relics in Twilight, Twilight Inscription. Inscription yeah and so a lot of people are reinterpreting Twilight yep. Inscription relics doing. into a Twilight Imperium context. And I think that's an awesome, delicious project. So, yeah, let's keep uh, that I'm getting up. getting the relic deck up to up to uh, 20. Yeah. Uh, sneak peek, three shards of the throne. Oh, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't, I don't want it. I decided. Actually, I'm afraid. I'm too scared. <laughs> Uh, Galactic Council, as Absol is bringing up, one of your polls this month is for Hunter and I to homebrew an actually good faction, or we can join on this parade of homebrewing a relic deck, or we can talk about what we want out of the Codex 4, that's looking like it's going to win, or we can talk about uh, an idea for some sort of new game in the Twilight Imperium universe. What would Hunter and I want to see as just a new uh, you know, we have Twilight Inscription now. What could be the other TI game? I will say, uh, because Spirit Island won last mm -hmm. month, I have, I am willing to commit that if Homebrew a faction wins, I will write the lore again. Yeah, well, yeah. Hey, boy, I tell you, I didn't need you to commit. I was going to beg you anyways. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> uh, your second Galactic Council poll is. We have four different games we are talking about doing as a let's investigate a little bit. Let's play a couple sessions because Spirit Island won. We want to see what other games people want to just have us check out. Your four options are Sidereal Confluence. We go back to Dune. We check out the Arcs Alpha stage. It's called Kit B. It is their uh, last rendition of effectively small Arcs before they release more information about the campaign mode of Arcs. Or... Cosmic Encounter? I don't know. We don't know what that looks like. I don't know how to do a podcast about Cosmic Encounter, but you can uh, listen to us try, I guess. You can also rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to us. You can go to our website, spacecatspeaceturtles.com, for information about our Patreon, our Twitter, our Discord, our merch. Merch? Uh, we had a meeting today about merch stuff. Keep an eye out on the horizon for some changes in merch. We have plans, we have thoughts, we have things, and I wanna tease everybody with the idea that I don't know, our merch might get cooler uh, and more interesting and better. We've been disappointed with Threadless a little bit and we have some some new ideas of how merch might happen. So keep, keep an ear out, get excited. Think about 2023 as a cool time to be alive. Uh, you can also send us plays of the week to spacecatspeaceturtles at gmail.com. I do not have one for you because it is late at night and I have to go, but again, I have to thank Absol for joining me on this wild book ride. Thank you so much for being here. Of course. And I hope everybody has a good night and goes to read some lore. Don't care what it is. <laughs> go, go, read. Faction Your sheet. assignment is two faction sheets. We'll see you in class tomorrow morning. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles, and thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>